Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day, listeners. Welcome to today's broadcast. Are you persecuted? Do you feel persecuted? Do you sense a spirit of rejection, of hatred against you? We heard when we listened to the Eighth Beatitude that persecution is not at all something strange. Not for Christians. They hated me, said Christ. They will surely hate you. After all, a servant is not greater than his Lord. So it is clear persecution is something normal for Christians, something to be expected. There is nothing in persecution that makes you want to jump for joy. As a matter of fact, everything about persecution makes you want to shun it. And so we do. Consciously we try to avoid being persecuted. Yet why is it that we so seldom really experience persecution for righteousness' sake? That is the situation, is it not? We don't really experience persecution all that much. I'm not at all saying or suggesting that we have to go out there and seek persecution. Not at all. But the question is, do we seek to avoid persecution? In a video produced by Dr. Dobson of the Focus on the Family series entitled Learning to Discern, there's a report on what movies children in the 4th, 5th, and 6th grades watch and list as their all-time favorites. What is so frightening about their answer is not only the fact that most of the movies chosen are blatantly perverse, but also the fact that all of the children interviewed attended Christian schools and came from Christian homes. That is frightening, you understand. Generally, our children know all the perverse material that is available on television and video. It is so very important to our youth that they be in the know, that they not be thought of as prudes, that they fit comfortably into society. And the parents agree. That's why parents often bend over backwards to accommodate their children's whims, not only as to dress code and hairstyle, but also not censoring what is watched on the TV. The parents don't want to be persecuted by their children, who don't want to be persecuted by their peers, who don't want to be persecuted by society, by the world. And the parents yield. Why? because they don't really want their children to be persecuted by their peers, because they themselves don't really want to be persecuted by the world. In our text, Jesus says, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. This theme can, and indeed it must, be read in a twofold way. You see, It's only on Christ's account that we can and may rejoice in persecution. After all, it's only through Him, it's only through His grace in our life that such rejoicing is possible. And that is what the theme means to say. Rejoice, it says, rejoice on Christ's account in persecution. Jesus talks very specifically about the suffering that His people are called upon to bear for His sake. He mentions some very specific forms of persecution that his people may be called upon to bear. Blessed are you, he says, when men revile you. 
when you turn to Matthew 11, verse 20, then you will read there, Then he, that is Jesus, began to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. He severely criticized them because they did not repent. It's not wrong to criticize, not when there's a justification for it. As a matter of fact, for the sake of righteousness, that is, for Jesus' sake, we must be willing, we must be bold to criticize. For his sake, we must dare to scold vehemently everything that is of the evil one, everything that refuses to yield to the claims of our king. That's what Jesus did. That's why he reviled those cities where most of his mighty works were done. They refused to repent. They persisted in walking in the way of corruption. But in our text, he is saying the exact opposite. There are people who revile, who reproach, who heap insults upon others, because those others are standing up for the Lord who bought them with his precious blood. You understand, those being reviled are people who don't keep their mouth shut, not when it comes to confronting evil though they know that they will be severely criticized for cursing the works of darkness. You must do what is right. You must be zealous for it, no matter what the cost. And when you do, you have nothing to fear. When you do, you will be blessed. The Apostle Peter misses no words. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Therefore you must not be ashamed, no matter how they revile you, nor for that matter how they speak evil against you falsely, that is, no matter how they slander you. There are people who utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Think of the early Christians who were accused of being atheists and cannibals, or think of the Christians who, for the sake of the Lord, are protesting against abortion, or who speak out against homosexual relationships. And they are the ones who are labeled the homophobics, a newly concocted pejorative term to brand those who seek righteousness. You see, what they say against you is uttered falsely, because the evil that was spoken against you was known to be a falsehood. They know very well that you are not guilty of what it is they accuse you of. The false prophets want you out of their way. Such has always been the case. And that's the point Jesus underscores with his reference to the faithful Old Testament prophets, For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you, he says. Always there has been a conflict between those leaders whose heart's desire it was and is to present the church as a pure bride to her Savior the Lord, and those who want to manipulate the bride of Christ for their own vices and devices. And always the false prophets, the false leaders, use the weapon of falsehood, the weapon of the lie, Satan's weapon of choice. Always they use lying and deceit of every kind to achieve their goal. And that's the point Jesus makes. Not only in his lament over Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he said, killing the prophets and stoning those sent to you. But that was also the point he drives home in the final, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Then Jesus makes two points that we should carefully note. First of all, he says, You hypocrites have condemned yourselves. You build the tombs of the prophets and you adorn the monuments of the righteous. But, says Jesus, you have nevertheless condemned yourselves by your own speech, because you say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. But by so speaking, says Jesus, you witness against yourselves, because you have thereby acknowledged that 
You are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Jesus doesn't stop there. He says to them that they will prove their relationship by what they will do to the prophets, the wise men and the scribes whom he will send to them. Some of them, he says, some of them you will kill and crucify, and some you will scourge and persecute. So they would bring upon themselves the judgment of the Lord. When you think all that through, what Jesus says about being reviled and persecuted and slandered, what he said about the persecution of the prophets of old and how that would be continued in his own day, then you tremble. Then there is nothing there that makes you want to jump for joy. But then you turn again to what Jesus says, and then you read again, Rejoice and be glad. And you understand that Jesus speaks that word as an order. Do that, he says. Rejoice and be glad. And remember, you are in good company. Remember that the prophets, and indeed the righteous men of old, were approved of God. They have their reward, and a great reward it is. Life eternal with the Lord God in heaven, a glory beyond human imagining. That's the reward which Jesus holds out to all who are reviled and persecuted and slandered on his account. You can be sure that the good shepherd knows that we'll find persecution. And he knows that we find that frightening. And he understands the temptation to try to evade it and avoid it. But you see, that's why he comes to us not only with his command, Rejoice and be glad. But that's also why he wants to encourage us with the great and wonderful reward that will surely be given to all who walk in his way. They will be seated with him in the heavenly places, and they will praise the Lord forever and ever. Thank you for listening. Till next time. 